Welcome to The Destined Life, a podcast about achieving the life that God has planned for you, which is The Destined Life. We discuss topics like God, church, relationships, health, finance, and so much more. I'm your host, Destiny Harris. Welcome to the Destiny Life Podcast. We are so excited to be back with another episode and to be here with part four, I believe, part four of the Destiny uh, Relationship Series. I'm just so excited um, to be able to do this with these beautiful ladies that I have here with me. Um, can, you all, uh, can you all say hello? So I'm going to start off with Monet. Can you say hello to the audience? Hi, everybody. So excited to be here. Yes, you have Tabitha here. You can say hello. Hey, hey, sis. Hey, y'all. Hey, ladies. Okay, and we got Kendra here. What up, no? Excited to be here. Hi, ladies. I am so excited they are here. This is, um, I'm really happy to be able to finally do this. I've been wanting to do this episode for the longest, and it's finally uh, happening. Um, we're going to be talking about it all. We're going to be talking about it all. I'm so excited. So, but before we get into it, I wanted to see where everybody's at um we have this segment called what is self-care for you right now which is a reoccurring segment that we have on the podcast um tabitha i'm gonna go with you first what is self-care for you right now honestly oh and as you call my name something just dropped in my head and i tilted my head and my my thoughts immediately went to balance And that's what self-care has been to me right now, balancing all areas and aspects of my life. I'm completing my doctoral program, also a wellness coach, but being an entrepreneur, there's so many things, it's behind the scenes. And then also trying to take care of myself and my family's care. My mom's health has been a challenge as of late. Um, So balance, and then still trying to be me and date and go out and have a social life. I did a reel about this just this week about like us high performing women having a social life and, you know, dating and all of that. It's so important, you know? So yeah, (laughs) that's where I'm at right now. I love that one. Yes. I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate. Uh, Kendra, what is self-care for you right now? Oh, yeah, I got to agree with Tabitha right there. Being a high performing (laughs) woman is definitely a challenge. (laughs) Um, Self-care for me right now looks like really just taking the time and being intentional with my time. So when I am with other people, I'm intentional about the fact that I'm there, that I'm present in the spaces and places that I'm in. Um, when I'm taking time to do the things that I need to, the the journaling or just kind of like having my quiet time and, you know, just singing in the shower, I'm there, like being very intentional about that. Other than that, roller skating has been my self-care. Uh, I kind of just had that moment where, you know, I feel like I'm in roll bounce or something and the song <laughs> music is just playing and I'm all in. So that's, yeah, just a little bit of something of what I've been working on as far as self-care right now. 
that's cool. I don't know how to skate. That's never been something that uh, I could do. I just don't feel like that's my calling. But that's amazing. That's great. That's awesome. Same. <laughs> same. Same. That one's worth Same. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I haven't really tried. I'm just like, uh-uh, I'm about to, no. But anyway. I want to <laughs> relearn. relearn, but I've had hard experiences, but I'll try. Okay. See, we can work this out. We can <laughs> hang out the shade. See, there you go. Yes. Um, Monday, what is self-care for you right now? Self-care for me is giving myself permission to step away. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm a business owner. And so especially being a stay at home mom, uh, being around my two youngest all the time can um, kind of feel a little overwhelming because we live in a city, um, we live in Charlotte. And so all of our family is in Michigan. And so when I do have opportunities where I can step away and just wear the Monet hat and not have all of my other hats on and I can be around other people to where it's not like I have to be responsible for you. I have to make sure you eat. I have to make sure you get to the bathroom and I can just focus on me. I have to give myself permission to do that um, because I feel like often um, I restrict myself in not allowing myself to take other hats off. So um, giving myself permission to step away, take a moment, um, take an evening, whatever that looks like on any given day, just making sure that I'm being attentive to myself as much as I'm being attentive to the people around me. Yes, that is amazing. I Wow, that's you had a whole different season of life right there. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I, I wanted that for you. That's great. I'm not there at all, but that's that's something <laughs> I, I can't even give advice on that one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's where I aim to be too. Yes, that's where I aim to be too, girl. Yes, you better go ahead. The <laughs> Miller Initiative. You better go ahead, girl. Period. I love that headline. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you guys, we are here talking about uh, relationships. We're talking about dating specifically as a Christian woman. Dating right now in 2021 is already something as it is, but dating as a Christian woman is very different. When you're really trying to live uh, live for God, you try to do what he say. It, it's hard out here. I know I could say it is. It's hard out here. I don't know about these other people, but I know it's hard. It's hard out here for us or whatever. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to ask these questions. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into what it's like all of it um and I want to ask you all um what is the difference between um because I had the guys on here last last week at the guys and I talked with them and I gave them the exact same questions and I just want to see what the difference is what the difference gonna be between the men and the women because they had some perspectives that I didn't hear I was like I don't feel that way but then there's some women I know I got the women this week so I'm very excited to hear what y'all gonna say so the first question is uh 2021 as we already know is a little different so what is the difference between dating now and dating back then like for our parents and maybe when you were a little bit younger or whatever like what was dating like um what's the difference now versus back then uh Kendra can you go ahead and take that one Ooh, okay so one um you know we're still whatever this is but the whole panini that's outside i.e the pandemic um, that created, creates a lot of change in regards to what dating looks like now. Um, you have a space where, you know, for a long time, people could go outside because people had to quarantine for whatever reason. So now we're in a situation where a lot of people are starting to meet people online. And I know like back when I grew up in the 90s, like online dating was very much an extreme taboo. Like when you looked and you knew somebody who was dating online, it was kind of like, oh my God 
gosh, are you serious? Whereas now I feel like it's a lot more relaxed. It's a lot more, um, people are a lot more comfortable with it, especially during a time uh, when, you know, when COVID was at its highest and people couldn't go anywhere. People definitely use social media as a means to get more um, in contact with people. Uh, But also I think we talk about a sense of privacy when you're talking about social media, when we're talking about people in relationships and dating, you know, when is it the proper time to put your significant other up on social media and stuff like that. So I feel like you have a lot more eyes and hands in people's relationships depending on the person and the couple and what their expectation and how they believe privacy is supposed to go for their actual relationship yes I love that I I agree with you 100 um I'm interested to hear Monet's perspective as a uh, as a married woman um you know because I know you be posting this stuff if y'all don't follow her y'all should follow her she has some great little stuff I'm like oh, okay I didn't know you was like that or whatever but that's cool <laughs> um anyway as a married as a married woman do you feel like there's more pressure on you now that there's social media like versus you know back when when there wasn't nothing nobody really knew if you didn't say nothing so do you feel like there's uh there's pressure on you from the social media thing perspective whatever. um when you say pressure on me what do you mean by pressure on me pressure yeah, like pressure on you as a wife or pressure um, and also pressure on the relationship that you have with you and your husband. Like, do you feel like there's pressure? So the reason why I'm going to say no, and this is me personally, I'm sure there's a lot of women who do feel like there's a certain level of pressure, um, especially when you take into consideration we live in a filter selfie um, um, Photoshop society. And so when sure. you look at social media you're only getting a glimpse of somebody's life. But a lot of times when you look at social media, well, the average person looks at social media, they take the glimpse and they think that that's the staple of what that person's standard of life is. And so for me, I don't necessarily feel pressure because I'm aware of these things. I know that I'm only getting, you know, this five minute video or this reel of your life. And I know that there's more to that. I know that for the most part, people only show the pretty side of things. They don't necessarily pull back the veil and say, hey, this is what it's really like. So I don't necessarily feel a need to perform or to be certain way or to do certain things as a wife. And I don't necessarily feel like my relationship is being compared to what I see on social media, um, more or less because I'm aware of the fact that people put on a good face in front of a camera, whether they're taking a picture or making a reel. And a lot of times people don't necessarily want the the real side of the situation to necessarily be exposed or looked at. Um, But I can understand and see why people who are looking to be in a relationship or people who are married might feel a certain pressure or a need to rise to the occasion because of social media. I, I love that. I think that's amazing because there's so many, um, there's so many couples online, uh, you know, these YouTube couples, the Instagram, Instagram couples, the whatever you want to call it, they all up on here and they they're there. And if they break up, it's going to be a whole thing. I don't know if you all know of um, Dara and Ken, but they're like, they were like the the main YouTube black couple. It was just like, oh, Dara and Ken. And they just, they broke up or whatever. So people are like sad, you know, they're, they were just so invested in them. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's sad because it's just like everybody's into this thing of, you know, everything is just great. And then also seeing that, okay, they break. No, wait, hold on. Y'all not supposed to do that. It's like a movie with, uh, with a bad ending. It's like, wait, no, everything's supposed to be perfect and not really seeing that. Sometimes it don't work out. Sometimes there are, um, there is cheating. There is this, there is some bad stuff that may happen, you know, and it's, uh, I feel like social media and these, 
it can kind of have this thing of, um, you know, everything is perfect, like how you were saying, you know, but it's not always that way, you know, it's just, it's not. Um, I feel like when it comes to um, dating, I asked them in this last week, I asked them if there was more, do you feel like there was more pressure on them when it comes to the dating season? And you have to listen to that episode to find out their answers. But to you, <laughs> for you all as women, do y'all feel like there's more pressure on the woman in dating? Or do you feel like there's more pressure on the man in dating? Kendra? Um, yes, I think, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I am a woman, but I'm saying that because I am a woman. So yeah. I think that there's a lot of pressure um, and just being completely transparent. Um, I'm a 31 year old single woman. Uh, so there is a lot of pressure that comes from people in my family, uh, people who learn or might meet me or, you know, there's an assumption that I'm a mom already or anything else. And I'm like, no, it's just me and Jesus right now. And people put this this thought process and I don't think people always necessarily think that it's pressure. Sometimes it's just good intentions like my family and my friends, they know that I want to be married. They know that that's my heart's desire. I desire, you know, marriage and kids. And like we all said, you know, I'm trying to get where my day is. Like, I'm trying to step my life game up in that sense. But I definitely think that there is a lot of pressure um, on women when people make comments about, you know, your biological clock is ticking and, you know, being concerned about, you know, what age frame you're in and when you can still have kids and all this other stuff. So I definitely think that there's a lot of pressure on women. I, I doubt the men said that, but I, that's what I think personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's I think it's good. It's your answer, so it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Monet, um, the question is, what is um? Uh, do you feel like there's more pressure on the man, or uh, do you feel like it's more pressure on the woman when it comes to dating? Um, I want to say that there probably is more pressure on the woman only because, and and this is also piggybacking off of what Kendra said. You know, as in our time frame of life, because I'm in my 30s, too, um, it's an expectation like, well, if you're 30, like, well, can you can you what do you bring to the table? There's all these things. of what do you bring to the table? It's not necessarily this idea of this is what I've built on my own and I'm standing in my own right, you know, fully whole in the Lord. It's just like, well, what else do you bring to the table? All right. You got this degree. Well, what else can you cook? Do you clean? Do you do all of these other things? And. I think also when you're fully trying to live for God, it's like, I'm trying to keep myself. I want to be pure. I want to do this right. I want to do all these other things. But then you have people from the peanut gallery remind you of your biological clock. And it's like in due season and in due time, you know, everything is made perfect. And so I think it's that pressure of, all right, I need to hurry up and find a man or, all right, I need to hurry up and make sure that I'm doing X, Y, and Z when the reality is God's timing is perfect. Um, but societal pressure would make you second guess or become unsure or think, well, I mean, he ain't that bad. You know, he's he's a guy, but he might not be the guy. But, you know, I can I can change him. I can fix him. I can do all of these things. And so in addition to societal pressure, I think women also put pressure on themselves to one, try to be this person that this specific man might want, but two, to try to have this pressure of you coming into this situationship, relationship, whatever it might be and saying, okay, how can I come in here and, and maneuver and navigate and essentially be manipulating 
Um, how, how this man can be better. What can I do? How can I get him to where he needs to be? Um, and it might not even necessarily be malicious, but I just think sometimes we can view a situation and forget that God is adding the super to our natural. We don't have to go out of our way to try and get somebody to be something else. We just simply have to allow that person to be and let God do what he going to do. And if he ain't going to do it for you in this situation, then that might not be for you. So um, I think there's just a lot of pressure from a lot of different angles on women. For sure. I know for me, because um, I know this this whole thing of, you know, the woman got to cook. I, I heard you say that. And I just, I've decided and I made it up in my mind that that's just not something that I'm going to go for. You know, I'm okay if, about learning. Like, if you know how to cook, that's why I already tell my family, you know, my husband will be a chef. And I already know the Lord going to do it for me. I just think it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I'm <laughs> like, he can cook for me. I will support him. I will try it. You know, I think I'm great at eating. I just feel like I'm better in that you know, area, and I feel like that's okay, and I've accepted that, I really have, um, Tabitha, <laughs> but for real, I'm not even joking, like, I, I've really been praying for it, um, Tabitha, when it comes to, um, dating, do you feel like there's more pressure on the man or the woman, what do you feel? Um, side note, before I answer the question, you can definitely get a man that will cook for you, my father was the chef in our home, he mostly cooked, and my to dad. this day, he still does it, yeah, so, girl, we can gonna- Listen, yes. gonna, either you're going to get you a chef or you're going to have the funds to afford a chef. Come on now. Either one. Either one. Right. It's good to go. <laughs> but um, I agree every, with everything that you mentioned, Monet. I know I got kicked off and came back on and there was something I wanted to mention earlier, but I definitely do agree that there is a, a pressure on the women um, even down to bodily wise, how to look a certain way, how to behave a certain way, how to respond a certain way, you know, instead of coming from the approach that, okay, there's different flavors of women for different flavors of men and everyone isn't in a cookie cutter. Um, everyone doesn't have to be in the same cookie cutter because ever God made us different and we all like different things. We have different likes and dislikes and whomever is for us will be exactly for us. But I think it's just interesting for us to just take a moment and step back to really think about, you know, with women, we kind of respond to the pressure a little bit more anxiously than men do. Men have more of an avoidance sort of attach, attachment style to the pressure, you know, they'll, they, more than likely, they're the ones that's running away from commitment. So I think that the symptoms, although, although different with men, you know, having commitment issues versus women being more anxious and more attached and saying, okay, I need that ring. I need to be married by such and such date. I wanted to be married at 25, like when my mom got married. And I'm like, who would have thought that was a lie? from hell i am 32 but you know it it goes to show you just the differences that i think also what i've come to realize is the society at a young age also puts in our mind a certain image and when you take a look at yourself and you realize like man at 32 i'm still not i have goals i've met a certain space i have a certain level of self-development i have a certain level of um career readiness and life readiness, but I'm still not there yet, you can't necessarily expect a complete vast difference from what you wear the level that you are. So I think it also begs to show exactly what you're looking for and what you're ready for, because 
what I was looking for back in my 20s is exactly what I got. And it led to me being right here. I didn't put investment to my dating life. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wanted to explore, you know, being raised in the church, you wanted to, I wanted to explore more than anything, but um, yeah. Oh, I, I feel that, that explored. I was like, oh, no. I've been, I've been wanting to go, you know what I'm saying? You know, I grew up in the church. This, you know, that was my second home. I probably was there more than my own house, you know, and I just, I was waiting. I was like, when, Lord, when? You know, that's how you feel sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> I love, I love y'all's answers. I think it's really cool, uh, very interesting, um, you guys' answers. Um, I do feel like when it comes to um, dating, I know for me, um, I'm 20, so this is a little different probably, <laughs> But um, when it comes to dating, I think it also has to deal with how you were raised and what your parents expect and how they're feeling. Um, if your parents are pressuring you or were they like, oh, yeah, you know, you need to get married or were they like, no, I want you to do this and, you know, have your time. So I feel like that also goes into play. There's some parents that are out there that are like, hey, it, you are, it's almost time. And then there's some other ones that are like, oh, you know, do whatever. Or and it's, it also matters on what, you know, like how you were saying, um, how your parents were married at a certain age or whatever. And you're looking at that as well. My parents got married, like kind of, my dad got married really young, you know, whatever. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, shoot, I only got like, because he got married, I believe at like 22. And I mean, I got two more years. And I'm like, I know I ain't nowhere near that right now. So I'm just like, oh, but I just realized it's your life. You can do it. It's your life. You know, it's your path. And God got you at the end of the day. That's all that really matters. Um, I'm curious to know what you all think, the because uh, we got into it a little bit. But what are the expectations you feel? are of a um, Christian woman when it comes to dating? What do they, uh, what do you feel like a guy thinks and feels like, oh yeah, this is what I expect from you as a Christian woman? Um, Tabitha, what do you feel? Honestly, I don't know what they think or feel. I know what the church has told us what they think or feel. I think they, I, and I'm not even coming in an aggressive way to the church, but it's, it's, you just never have those type of dialogues with them. You sort of come in with your pre-made assumptions and your pre-made notions based on what you've learned, based on what you've read, based on the stories that you've read in the Bible, you know. We're taught to believe um, that, uh, I think it's the story of um, Jacob and Rachel, that a man should be waiting 14 years um, for us and not saying that that doesn't happen. However, everything around us right now in society tells us the complete opposite from the TV screen to even what we also see in the house um, and in our families. So I think that, um, I think that, uh, I'm sorry, I just forgot the question. My bad, <laughs> I lost such a thought. What was the question? Oh uh, yeah, what do you think, uh, what do you think is expected of a, of a, um, of a Christian yeah. woman from a man? Yeah, that. Yeah, so I don't think that I've ever had that conversation of what is expected, um, especially in the church confines. Um, for me, dating has been a mix of, and mostly people that have been outside of the church that I've ha been able to have more open conversation and more heart and honest, vulnerable conversations about how they truly feel about, uh, and where I've been able to express myself in those spaces too, outside of judgment, you know, um, so yeah i i like that you mentioned that i think that's cool uh i 
I'm very sure there are a lot of women out there who are like, yes, I totally agree. And in the one, um, in our next episode, when we have everybody together, um, we going to get a little bit more into this church thing. And uh, we're going to get on that subject because I know that's the whole, that's really a whole series within itself. <laughs> but Nay, how do you feel? What do you think is expected of a Christian woman right now? Um, so I will say that it depends on the man. Um, but if we're just doing like a broad answer, I will say, I think what most men are just expecting is somebody that they could build with. Um, usually you're looking through a lens of like a checklist or does she have this attribute? Does she have this, that, or the other? Um, at least that's what we're told and we're not told in the church, but that's kind of like the underlying tone. Like, well, you know, she ain't slept with nobody, has she? Or she ain't out partying and drinking, is she? Um, But really a man is looking for somebody he could build with. Can can I be open and honest with you? Can I talk to you? Can you share your dreams and be vulnerable with me? Um, Can we have a conversation where you're going to be transparent? Can you allow me to actually, you know, cover you? Can you listen to me when I'm actually talking and not just wait for for your opportunity to respond? Um, They're looking for partnership. And I think a lot of times in terms of like being in the church, we don't get that conversation. We just get this this blanket statement of, well, if you want to be somebody's wife, you have to do X, Y, and Z, which is kind of the few things that I mentioned earlier. Um, But we don't really go in depth in terms of what does it look like to be in a partnership, a covenant? Um, What does that look like? Because ultimately that's what they're, they're looking for. The whole idea of Eve being, you know, from made from Adam's rib taken from his side. Um, They're looking for somebody that they could, you know, build a future with a legacy, generational wealth, all of these different things. And I think if the conversation is had, then it normalizes it. And so it's not necessarily something that, you know, we're walking into blindly or confused or not really understanding. And I think in the dating world, the the conversation of expectations isn't really had because I, I think people don't want to fall short. Like, well, I want to be good enough. So I don't want to open up this can of worms and be truthful and honest about who I am, what I believe and where I fall short. Because then if I do that, I might not meet this checkbox. And so to avoid all of that, we just not gonna have this conversation. Mm. I love that. I feel like you kind of, when you said there are certain things, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were saying that there are certain things about yourself that you may not want to mention, or you may not want to talk about during the dating season. Mm -hmm. And I guess kind of being vulnerable with the person and just say, you know, I went through this or, you know, I'm like this, you know, people think I'm like that, but really I'm struggling or, you know, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely think that's important. And I believe that with, because I'm not married or anything, but I do know that um, when marriage comes, some of those things will be exposed. And I feel like that has led to a lot of divorces or that's led to a lot of um, different problems within relationships. I, you know, I feel from what I could see and what I've, you know, mm-hmm. seen around me that has happened. So that can cause a lot of people to be like, eh, when it comes to marriage or whatever. So I, I definitely think that I love that perspective. And I love that you said that. Um, Kendra, what do you feel like is expected of a Christian woman? Um, I really think it just kind of varies on the culture of that particular group of men if I would say um because I think to a certain extent I agree with both of these ladies like I agree that a man desires partnership but if that's not communicated to a man that he sees his wife being a partner then he's not going to understand that that's something that he wants 
I also agree with Tabitha in the sense that do we really know what men really want? Because in a sense, to point back what Monet said, like it comes from a place of being extremely honest. And what I've realized more now than ever is, and this isn't just a, a man situation. This is just a, a human situation right now. People really don't have a clear, concise understanding as to who they are. And I think that's how we end up in situations where people are very afraid to tell people the truth because humanity is prescribed to all of us. That's why we all need Jesus. And if I'm not willing to be honest about the fact that, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a woman of faith, I'm a woman of integrity, but sometimes I can really get on your nerves just because there are certain things about me that might rub me, that might rub something in you the wrong way, then we're in very dangerous territory as people overall. So I can't really say that I necessarily know what men expect from women. You know, it's the obvious, like to cook and to clean and, you know, but that's not necessarily every man's expectation based off of what he saw in the household. I have male friends that, you know, one of my male friends, he is very much the man who cooks and he washes clothes and all that stuff because in his life, that's who his, that's been his role all his life. So in his household, that's what it looks like. So I can't really just give a blanket statement to say like, this is what men want. I think it really just depends on the culture of what that group of men or that particular, that space that that man is being brought up in, what that is actually, what that looks like. But I think there are a lot of people who just, and some people who are just afraid to say, hey, I don't know what it is that I want right now. I know I want companionship. That's a good place to start. But what does companionship look like for you? So, yes, and I um I definitely think that's a question that needs to um be asked during the dating season. That reminds me, I want to talk about um. I feel like it's important for me. I know when it comes to dating and when it comes to um, you know, because. We're going to get into that a little bit later, talking about, you know, marriage being down the road, because I know some people it's not like that. But if marriage is down the road, um, there are a lot of conversations that need to be had. There are uh, some are very comfortable and they're fun conversations and other ones can be very uncomfortable and can be very like, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about that because I don't even feel comfortable talking to myself or talking to, there's some things that you don't even want to admit to God and God knows, and God knows everything, but there's some certain things you don't even want to talk to him about. You're like, oh, I don't want to say it like you know what I mean you know whatever but these are uh but there are different conversations that you need to have and I want to um I want to know if you all can give me some examples of different conversations that need to be had with the person that you may be dating or courting or whatever um what type of um conversations need to be had of Monet oh there's so many um yeah <laughs> to be had. Um, I think the first conversation that will be the most beneficial is what do boundaries look like to you um, I mean, that could be a matter of like a curfew that you all set with one another. Um, that could be like a, a physical affection expression boundary. Um, that could be a boundary regarding, um, certain conversations you do or don't have. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you could decide to, um, implement in terms of making sure that your cultivating or creating a safe space for um the relationship that you may be trying to establish did I answer I your like question that. yeah no yeah that was a good one boundaries for sure for sure uh Tabitha what is a conversation that you feel like should definitely be had 
during the dating season? I think that one of the questions that I like asking, and I'll ask it on a first date too, is I'll ask them what character traits or personal development areas in yourself that you have worked on in the last year or two that you recognize that you needed to change. Um, I ask that question for two reasons, because it shows me one, where the person is coming from, where their baseline was, where their, the gutter was, where the worst of the worst was. And it shows me the trajectory. And two, it shows me the trajectory of where they want to go and how they are working on themselves. Because I think self-reflection and kind of, um, uh, kind of, goes back to Monet's answer um, for the last question, self-reflection and honest self-awareness about your habits, good, bad, and the ugly, and to be able to be in a confident space to communicate that with someone else shows me that you have been able to face yourself and you have been able to face the worst of the worst and you have accepted that and you are moving on from it. And I, I think that that shows a lot of emotional growth too. Can I add something? Yes, yes. So, so. I, oh, right before you add something, lastly, I just want to go back to that last question about the whole, okay, what do you think men are looking for? I think that question is even rooted in you need to be somebody else other than you are to let somebody else accept you. You know, instead of looking to yourself and recognizing and realizing like, okay, what do I even need or want in a man? What makes me smile? I think a lot of us are looking at social media or looking at, oh, these, um, what do you call it? The, the proposals. Not that I'm not bagging on the proposals and all of the, the, the couple goals and the black love at all, because I follow them and I love them. But I think that we have to start to learn ourselves to be able to communicate to others how to love us because they're not going to know it. It's not like it's going to download in their brains. You know, we have to be able to give them the roadmap a bit. And if they love us, love us enough, they will be able to actually walk down that road and with us of love. So, yeah. Love that. That was good. That was good. Uh, Monday, uh, did you, you say you wanted to add something? Yeah. Just her? part of the conversations that, that need to be had, I would say, and she kind of touched on this a little bit. But um, just looking forward, like, where do you see yourself? And I know people kind of shy away from that because they're like, oh, why are you trying to be so deep? But it's really not like, do you have any vision? Do you have any um, any um, idea or perception of even you don't have to have it all figured out. But what direction do you want to move in? I mean, that alone will will tell you a lot. Like, is this a man who can can cast a vision? Is this a man who can can kind of take charge and decide these are the goals that I want to accomplish that I've set for myself. And this is how I'm going to get it done. Like, can you even, can you, can you even project into your future and say, you know, this month I'm doing this and I'm doing this because in six months I need to be here. And in a year I'm going to need to be here. So today I need to start X, Y, and Z. That will show you, this is somebody who can lead a family that will show you. This is somebody who has habits of making sure that they're constantly being disciplined. This is somebody who appreciates self-development. And so just having conversations, conversations on where do you see yourself? Where do you want to go? What are your goals? How do you want to build? What's something that you want to leave behind if you decide you want to have children? What does that look like? Just having these hypothetical futuristic type of questions at least gives you an idea of, okay, now I can kind of see how this person at least thinks. I can see how they can cast vision. I can see how they can 
um, make goals for themselves. So I think that part um, would be a huge conversation to have during the dating phase. Yeah, flip the script, flip the script. We are the prize. We also got to vet them too. And I think there's an underlying notion that they just need to vet us. No, we got to see how they make decisions, how they handle tough conversations when they're angry, even family situations, what's their family dynamic. But absolutely. If we think about the queen bee, if we look at the nature, the queen bee is protected and she got workers, okay? She got workers and they work for her and she is guarded and protected. So we have to also have learned to have that mi- mindset not saying that we out here trash and we think we do with the queen bee no we also have the self-development but we also need to take ownership and pride in who we are as a woman and how much we give naturally at a baseline yes i love how you uh when you mentioned you mentioned uh i don't missed it i don't forgot it Oh, you mentioned about uh, them having goals and stuff and just seeing, you know, where they want to go. Because that's something that I look at for sure. Uh, You know, somebody says that they, even if you're a person that don't know what your goals are, I know at my age, it's more okay for them not to know what they want to do. Like, I'm a a little bit, if you're a little older, it's like, okay, cool. But, but but I feel like, um, you know, at that age, I'm I'm used to people not knowing what they want to do. I know my, I know what I want to do, but you know, I'm used to that, but I want to see during this process, uh, during this time of you not knowing, what are you doing? Are you just going to sit at, oh, I'm sitting in my mama's basement, you know, and just playing video games all day. How are you figuring this out? Are you still going to work? Because I want to know that if you still don't know or something happened with a job, you know, while we married, are you, and you lose your job, are you going to try to find one or you're going to be like oh well, I need to figure out something I'm waiting on God to you know send me a job and God like can you fill out an application you know at least faith that works you know so that's something you know I, I think about because I'd be like because money you know I like to spend some things I, I think I'm gonna be honest here we both got to be successful you know what I'm saying uh Kend- Kendra I'm not, I, I didn't forget about you <laughs> what are the conversations that you feel like we need to have um a lot of so I am very much about asking those questions, having those discussions. Um, I feel like you know, to a certain extent, we kind of shy away from that because you feel like you're drilling somebody, unfortunately. But that's not always necessarily true. Like if I'm trying to get to know you, you're trying to get to know me. If we're asking questions, and we're that's how we get to know each other by learning through like those hypotheticals, like you know, and even talking about boundaries. I guess like some of the things that I also ask in addition to the things that have already been mentioned, um, what does relationship with God actually look like in your life? And not to be deep, but just to have an understanding because, you know, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay, now you have a relationship with God, but what does that actively look like in your everyday life? And not even just that, but how do you serve? Not just in your church, but in your community, the people that are around you, the people that you love. Um, Talking about boundaries makes me automatically think, who is your accountability? Like, what does that look like? Because that accountability piece is a big thing, especially when you're talking about boundaries. I can't just be left to setting these boundaries by myself. These are the people and the players in my life who I am accountable to and I hold regard to. And just so you know, ahead of time, these are the people that when it's time to have that discussion of taking this to the next level, these are the people that are going to be not necessarily in the room, but these are the people that you're going to have those types of interactions with. Um, So really thinking about that, 
what does your relationship look like with your family? I know that was something that Tabitha mentioned, like, you know, your mom, your siblings. What does that look like? Because that does all play a part in if this is, you know, this is what is coming for me and this is going to be what God has for me. I need to have a, a insight to what is what your world looks like and how you operate and how you deal with, you know, the finances and how you deal with pressure and anger and rage and sadness and grief and death and all these different things. So, yeah, just, I, I have a lot of questions. I, I mean, you know, and it's not, like I said, you don't just sit there and like, okay, this is my list of questions and I'm just gonna sit. No, but just in genuine conversation, I think people get so caught up in love that they don't even realize you may not even necessarily know the person that you're saying that you in love with unless you actually have those sit down and have those conversations with those, with that person. So those are just a couple of the things that I kind of, what's your love language? How do you accept love? Like, how do you receive love? How do you give love? How does your love language differ from mine? Could that be a possible issue that we run into in, you know, in the future, if this does go somewhere. So just different things like that. It just kind of depends on, you know, how far into the conversations or how regularly on the dates or conversations we're getting into, but I'm, I'm all about asking the question <laughs> and vice versa. Ask me questions. I want him to ask me questions. I want him to, to get to know me, like say something that kind of like, Oh, well, dang, I wasn't expecting you to ask that, but that's a good question. So, yeah. I, that's, that's good. Cause you, you kind of touched that. I don't know. I don't remember which one of y'all I spoke with about this, but I'll talk about experiences that you had to, um, that you, that I feel like you should go through before and you should uh, experience with that person before you get married. Um, like, I want to see what you like when you mad. I want to know what you do when you mad. Are you a person that gets angry? Do you use certain types of words? Do you call me out of my name? Do you like to uh, put your hands on people? Are you just, are you one of those people that's going to get up and act like, you know, you ain't know me for a couple of days and come back and be like, oh, I was just upset. No, it's a no for me. So no for me. Um, but there are different experiences that you gotta go through. You know, I feel like there's just certain, and of course there are certain things that you're not gonna know until you get married. I mean, I just feel like that's gonna happen. But I feel like there's certain experiences that you need to go through. Okay, I want to see you uh during this time. Okay, during this grief, you know, you just like your grandmother. How do you deal with that? Are you what what's going on? I want to see it. And there are certain experiences, um, because that when I come when it comes to like stuff like grief and dealing with you know the loss of a um when it comes to like a loss of a relative or whatever, um, it could be different for different people. Like them losing their grandmother may be different from them losing their mom, you know? So, you know, there's the, all of that too to go and play, but it's just like, I just want to see it. And it's, I want to see what that looks like on you. Cause that's something you have to consider, you know? Um, I wanted, cause you talked about relationship with God, Kendra. And I want to know, I think y'all probably kind of already gave you an answer. Is it okay for you to date somebody who don't believe in God? It's a no for me. <laughs> it's a no for me. Um, and just being completely honest, you know, we sitting here having a conversation. I've done it before. Like I've entertained um, and not even somebody who didn't necessarily believe in God, but didn't have a relationship with God. Like I have a relationship with God. I've had people be very, you know, feel indifference or I've had men who looked at me as a woman 
you know, because I do serve, because I do, like, I'm very open about my relationship with God. I may not necessarily wear, you know, a, a I love Jesus shirt every day, but sometimes I do. And what, what does that mean to you? So um, I have dated uh, guys who weren't Christians before, um, or guys not even necessarily who weren't Christians. It, I mean, because we can get to a whole different discussion about that. Like, what what does it mean to be a Christian? But I've dated guys who have, you know, said like, you know, I believe in God, but there our lifestyles were different. And because of that, it caused a lot of chaos and it caused a lot of issues. Um, I know that right now, like my prayer as a, as as I was younger, my prayer was like, okay, God, I want my husband to have this attribute, this attribute. I want him to be the strong, quiet type and all this other stuff. And now I've gotten to a point where in my life where I'm like, God, just please allow me to meet the man who you have for me and let his lifestyle compliment mine as mine compliments his. Um, so yes, I have, I have dated somebody who didn't get it, and we were on very different pages about that, and child, listen, it caused some chaos in our situation, and I thank God that I didn't make that a permanent choice or decision, and that I am free from that, because, yeah, it's a no for me, so. I, yes, I agree. I tried. I was like, you know, I think, I was like, but God, you know. He a nice I, guy, guy. He nice. You know, I got you in me, and I can but I can, I can help him. him. I can help him. I can bring him to church. He said he would go to church with me. And that man did. Mm, don't. I just, <laughs> I just posted uh, today. I just reposted on my Instagram. Uh, one of the comedians, I forgot her name. But she was talking about how you try to convince God to let you date somebody who don't believe in him. And you just be like, but God, like this one, like, I mean, he, he nice. I can help him out, you know, whatever. And you be trying to do that. God, like, I tell you to do that and then when your heart yep. get broken he's like i didn't tell you to go over there you did that with yourself so they're <laughs> sounding like bryce and tiller like lord save them for me and god like what really <laughs> this is a knock he i am a gentleman he there's a door and yeah never mind <laughs> listen i i have always tried to bring some people to church especially even friends too and guys like they're not your friends they, that's not your man. This is not for you. <laughs> that's not your man. <laughs> this is not your man. That ain't it. Leave it alone. That ain't it. Walk away. <laughs> what about you, Monday? How do you feel about that? Dating somebody who don't believe in God. I feel like um, that's just you're you're asking for a difficult situation by doing that. Um, but even taking it a step further, someone who says, oh, yeah, you know, I believe in God. Let me see your fruit, sir. OK, I need to see the fruit. Are you somebody who just professes that they believe in God or are you actually a disciple? Like, what are you doing? Um, that in and of itself, obviously, that's a whole nother dynamic. But um, there are a lot of people who will tell you what you want to hear. And so you can't just necessarily take the lip service for face value. You have to actually sit and watch and look at the fruit which is why um, you mentioned like being able to see somebody like, what do you look like when you're sad, when you're happy, when you're grieving? It's very important to actually watch somebody go through seasons, um, which is why I'm very pro be friends first, because you can actually get the outside perspective without necessarily being involved emotionally to see how do they treat people? How do they act when, you know, something bad happens? How do they act when they're going through a difficult time? What is the fruit um, that you're actually bearing 
throughout the different seasons and situations uh, throughout your life. And so um, I would not recommend somebody who is a Christian who wants to be in a relationship to get into a relationship with somebody who does not um, identify as Christian, but even as taking it a step further, if someone identifies as Christian, but you don't actually see any fruit um, that would coincide with that, um, I would also uh, not recommend that they do that. Ah, uh, oh man, so I can't do it. Ah, well, I tried. Anyway, I was hoping y'all was going to agree with me. And maybe, <laughs> you know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, because you, you be trying. You just said, I just want to. I'm like, wait, why you got to look like that? Like, why? You know, and you're looking at the one who is, you know, nice. It's just like, eh, you know, whatever. Sometimes it can be like that. Tabitha, is there anything else you wanted to say to that um, about dating somebody who doesn't believe in God? Yeah, you know, I think for me, when I reflect on being completely transparent and honest about my own personal walk with God, born and raised in the church, my father's a pastor. I think I remember a couple years, uh, not even a couple years ago, ooh, maybe like 2016, 2017, I had found a quote that said, you date on the spiritual level that you're at. And I remember like really trying to, my mind dwelled on the, that quote for, for some time, like, okay, am, am I really dating people who's a reflection of where I'm at spiritually with God? So what I would say is dating is a process. Dating is a journey. Even before you get to the point where you are with somebody and you are talking, trying to see when they're upset or mad or how they handle a death in the family. That's way deep, longer down the road than actually going through the dating process through the Hinge and the online apps to really um, take a look at this. You have to really start to take a look at the person's habits from the beginning sort of stages. And if we're talking about God and back to when I was relating uh, that quote to my life, I recognize that there are certain stages of, of my dating process that sort of reflected how well I knew God because it started to reflect in my self-worth and how much I knew and understood about myself and how worthy I am in his eyes and how much more he has planned for me. So me personally, my dating life and my journey through dating has tied and my journey with God has tied it hand in hand even in reflection of my spiritual growth. Um, growing up when I was younger, I didn't really date guys that were in the church. I started to date, I uh, had a, a, my longest relationship with a guy that was in the church, but I felt like for me, it was very more, more ritualistic, habitual, you know, more than anything. And as I've gotten deeper to learn myself and to learn who God is personally in my life, it, it thus has reflected in my dating life as well. And you attract yeah. different people. <laughs> different, and you will have different experiences. And you're not going to want someone that does not believe in Christ or God because you know what you have experienced with him in the prayers. He done answered in your journal. It's like there's no, there's no way. There's no way, you know, and it, it just, it just won't happen. Yes, that's important. Um, I, I love that. Um, I also wanted to discuss when it comes to dating because we're talking about dating as a Christian, which is different from dating, you know, as someone who is not. Um, do you all, because there's this thing now, you know, if 
just, you know, have fun. You're just having fun right now. Is that okay? When it comes to dating as a Christian, that you're just having fun. There's no future in mind. Um, is that okay to date for fun? Monet? Okay. So if you are, let's say you're someone, cause I actually have a friend who has, she's, she's open to the idea of marriage. She's like, if the Lord brings somebody along, cool. If not, I'm fine. Um, I think if you have two people who are cool with just, I guess, dating and they have no actual desire to get married, um, if that's what they want to do, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. Um, But personally, I would want to question, not necessarily question them, but just in the back of my mind, wonder like, um, to what degree would you be able to maintain um, your instinctual or natural desires and keep it at a place where you are able to have this just dating relationship while still pleasing the Lord, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't necessarily think it's bad, um, but it just seems like you would be putting yourself long-term in a potential compromising situation. Mm. I like it. Um, Kendra, what is, um, hold on. Yes. What can you date for fun with no future in mind when it comes to Christian dating? Is, is that okay? No. Um, (laughs) and I say no from a place of, I have dated before in my high girl (laughs) twenties, just based off of I'm hungry and I want some attention. I'm going to call such and such because I know that he isn't going to mind going to dinner and giving me the attention that I need or I want because I didn't need it. But in that moment, I felt like I needed it. Um, And that's what I did. And, you know, my situation was this was with a person who wasn't interested in being in a relationship and I wasn't interested in being in a relationship with him. Um, I just, for me, it was, that's what we were doing. And that proves to put you in a position where, you know, it doesn't produce anything, but situationships, because that's exactly what it produced. Looked up one day and it's like, dang, we in a situationship. You don't want to be with me. I don't want, I, I know you're not the will of God for me. And here we are. Um, so yeah, like I've really been like very like honest about the fact that I've definitely been there before. Um, as a woman, as a Christian woman, um, I'm not there in my life anymore. I will put the one caveat that I will put though is I think very often the church has had this role in telling women that they shouldn't date at all. And that is very, very problematic because if you don't date, how you gonna meet somebody? You you not you know you can very much like I'm I'm with Monet like definitely developing a friendship with that person for sure. But when you decide that that this is a possibility that you all could have more, that's room where you know, and that's where that boundaries and accountability and those conversations need to happen. You all need to date. So I think, 
you have to be very mindful. And that's why I, I, I think I think I think of dating in different phases. Like there's a kicking it phase and then there's an actual dating phase. If we just kicking it, that means I'm kind of getting to get a feel for you. You're getting a feel for me or whatever else. If we make it to that dating phase, that makes sense. But I think very often the church is telling women that they shouldn't have a kick it phase. And it's like, if you don't have a kick it phase, you're not going to have a marriage phase. <laughs> it's just, it's completely impossible. So you have to kind of find a balance in that. Um, because there are going to be times where you kick it with somebody and the more you kick it with them, you'd be like, nah, I'm good on you. Like, or I told, I've had guys kind of be like, you know, I don't think you're a good fit. And that's perfectly fine. I'm not for everybody. I'm an acquired taste. So that's cool. Um, but I think that we have to be very, very careful about how we kind of say and per- perceive those specific things, because it can definitely get into a place where, like, I know Christian women who are like, I want to be married. But it's like, sis, you don't give anybody the time of day. Like, you won't even have a conversation with the man if he looks your way and says, hi, or you're pretty. Like, it's okay to say hi back. If he smell good, it's okay to tell him he smell. Never mind, don't pay me no attention. But if he, you know, it's okay to show interest. Showing interest doesn't make you thirsty. It it makes it means that you might want to date somebody in the in the long run. So yeah, yes, no. I love that, and that's why I have this. That's why I'm talking about it because when it comes to dating, that was just stuff that I never really heard about. You know. When it comes to the Christian perspective, now mm-hmm. I've heard the world's perspective for mm-hmm. sure, but I was like, wait, so did y'all date? Like, how was that? Cause I was asking my parents, you know, like, what, what did y'all, did y'all date? Like, I just, you know, you only know that was married, you know? And also, you know, when it comes to the leaders of the church, you only, I, for, well, from my perspective, everybody was already married. And um, I remember was that long ago. I remember uh, I saw this pastor who was not married and he was dating someone and I was just like what what is this like I just I had never seen it you know because it's just like oh everybody's married and they whenever they talk about relationships it's within the married thing or it's you know don't have sex until marriage and then that's it but it's no like well okay yeah y'all are dating what do y'all you know what what well how did y'all get here somebody had to think somebody was cute somebody shot a shot Somebody, somebody shot a shot somebody asked somebody grandma somebody into you hey it's such and such single like there, there's that lead up to that part and that's why I say like I think we kind of have to do a better job of defining that especially as women in the church as Christian women we have to do a better job of having that conversation like yes you can yes date with intent date with the intent of being married however you there's like a part that leads up to that like you don't just wake up married one day or whatever there has to be some lead up to that right um Tabitha how do you feel about dating for fun I'm not sure what the term dating for fun means but I would say that there's a need to have the experience of dating to understand the different personality types um, to understand what emotional manipulation looks like, to understand what narcissism looks like, to understand a lot of uh, personality traits and things that you will meet out there in the world. I think the church doesn't prepare you for that aspect because when you're coming from the, ch- the, the, coming from the church, they sort of give you 
they're supposed to court you. This is how it should look like. You know, you hug from a distance. But there's also important aspects of personalities and um, how they treat you in relationships and gaslighting as well. And that sort of knowledge is necessary and needed. And you sort of gain that th throughout the dating process and to understand even where you are. Like I could definitely say I recognize there was an act of uh, a level of codependency and people pleasing on my behalf that I wouldn't have understood had I not gone through dating experiences um, and learn myself and learn how to be independent and have um, my, my life outside of whomever I'm dating. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if that's termed as dating for fun, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me go ahead and spray that. I want to make sure I give you my, what my think of dating for fun is. Uh, that is like with no future in mind. It's just like, oh, we just, we're just kicking it right now. We're just, we're going on dates and stuff, but it's not like I want to marry you or I want to be with you or be in a full on relationship, you know, but it's just like, you know, we just go on dates. We just give each other a teach you because we just want that right now, you know, but it's not, there's no um, future in mind. Uh, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, but you know, that's just what it's about. You know, it's just like, you know, no uh, future, anything in mind. So that's why I wanted to ask that because I know that's a big thing going on right now. It's just like, what is that for? you know, is that okay when it comes to Christian dating? Um, I kind of want to move on to uh, abstinence. And right now, I feel like that is, for me, I feel like it's one of the biggest issues when it comes to dating as a Christian is abstinence and saying, you know, no to that. You know, when the world has a very different view when it comes to that. So when it, um, how do you feel like sex is viewed now uh, when it comes to the world's view? And versus the church's view of sets. Um, Monet, what do you think? Um, in terms of what I believe the world's view is, it doesn't seem like sex is necessarily something that is sacred. It doesn't seem like it's something that is put of put up on a pedestal of high value. Um, it doesn't seem like it's something that should be protected or um kind of um I guess yeah protected I guess is the word that I want to use it's just it's something you do because you want to because it feels good because it's enjoyable because you can um and then when you shift to the church's view um I think in terms of the whole concept and, and structure of covenant it's something that's sacred and it's cherished and um, it's honorable because, you know, God created it and um, all these different things. But um, in terms of the church's view, I think the church looks at sex from one angle and it doesn't necessarily give a, a broad, full range of the idea of sex. Because when you talk about sex in the church, the only conversation that that is had is it's between a married man and a woman. And if you're not married, you don't need to be doing it. And so therefore there's no conversation that needs to be had because if you're not married, you shouldn't be having sex. So what is there to talk about? Um, and so I think the church misses the conversation that could be had in terms of, okay, I'm single and I have a sex drive. Can somebody please have a conversation about this? Because it's not going to go away. It's there. It was put in there. It was put inside of me for a reason. Can we have this conversation? And I think because sex has been put in this box by the church of it's, it's 
because it's just for married people um, that we don't address the sex drive of the single person or the, even the concept of, okay, there are parts of the body that are designed for pleasure. I don't, it, it, being somebody who's not engaging in sexual activity, like I'm literally told before I'm married, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then on my honeymoon, I'm just supposed to become this sensual sexual being. And my husband is all like, oh yeah, I'm ready. And you're like, okay, wait, um, you're not supposed to see me naked. I mean, wait, it's supposed to be okay. But now I'm still kind of uncomfortable, even though you're my husband. And so I think the church misses the realistic. Um, I don't even think realistic is, is the word I want to use. Practical, maybe. There's a practical piece missing from the conversation and the view of sex in terms of sex, even from an anatomical perspective, from a, a pleasure perspective, from a sensuality perspective, um, it, it's just missed. And so because it's just the sacred thing, you know, that's placed in this box of it's just for married people, which, you know, rightfully so God created it to be between a married couple. But there's more to it than just it's just for married people. So we're not going to talk about it versus the world. They like, yeah, what you want to talk about? We can talk about it all. We can have all these conversations. And so I think people who grow up in the world and, you know, they never really um, grow up in the church. They have I don't want to say a better understanding, but I think from the practical perspective of how everything works and what everything does and how to do certain things, they have a different understanding versus somebody who grew up in the church. Cause I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't get saved until I was 18. And so I had to kind of walk through this journey of, Oh, okay. Well, they, they saying, you know, you're not supposed to have sex before you marry. Cool. I can do that. And so there was never really a, a um, conversation that gets had for young women or even women who are in their late twenties, thirties or whatever about how to, have this walk, have this sex drive, have, be be natural in all that you are and still say, you know what, I love God, but I, I still have these feelings inside of me. So there's there's lots of understandings on each side and then there's a lot of misunderstandings, I think, on each side. That, I don't know. I don't even know Sorry. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Um, I think it's great. I know the views are very different now. I feel... um. Because I kind of want Kendra, uh, Kendra, I'm sorry, Kendra, um, after I say this, I kind of want to hear your view of what I'm about to say. But I feel like this, uh, the view of set to the church is kind of starting to change. Let me tell you why I think that. Because um, now we're talking about how sex is beautiful, which is something that I never really heard growing up until maybe the past two, three years, I started to hear pastors say, you know, sex is a beautiful thing. And it's a sub and it's something that people, uh, you know, talking about sex drives in, as a single person and talking about how, um, you know, how sex was designed by God. And this is supposed to be this beautiful thing that was supposed to happen, you know, and not as something that's like, no, you know, it's bad or, you know, and not wanting to have conversations I uh, about it and talking about when it comes to dating, how you're supposed to be abstinent and stuff. I'm starting to see more conversations and starting to, um, when when it came to, I don't know if you all know who this is, but uh, Pastor Michael T uh, Mike Todd, um, he had the uh, Relationship Goals series and he had a book that came out and he talked about 
the uh, relationships and the different stages when it comes to dating and being married. Um, he even talked about being divorced and all these different things. And um, it was just new to me because I was like, wow, they're talking about it. This is something crazy. And you're starting to see more Christian influencers or whatever they want to call themselves. You start to see them talk a little bit more about it. So I would say that I feel like the church, we still got a long way to go, but I do feel like the church's view of sex has kind of changed. Um, when it comes to sex as a single person and what's that, um, what's that like and what we should, you know, do it and having conversations about things. I feel like it is changing. Kendra, what do you feel right now? Have you seen this or have you not? You know, uh, what do you think about that? Um, I definitely think that it's very much based around, it kind of just depends. It depends on where you are attending church, who your pastor is, what their own understanding is. I think there's an age thing as well, um, where depending on what the demographic of your church is, like the age demographic is, there is definitely a, a need. Um, I grew up in the church and sex was just something that was not talked about. Like Monet said, like literally it was like, don't do it until you marry. And that was it. That was the only thing that you ever heard about the word sex in general. Whereas I feel like, yes, there is definitely a, 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 a more sp- a space where people are uh, pastors and ministers are being more open about having that having that discussion because at the end of the day, sex is beautiful. God created it. He created it as a form of worship. And yes, it's supposed to be within the, the confinements of marriage within covenant. Um, but there are a lot of there are a lot of places and spaces where those discussions aren't being held as heavily. I think that we're at a turning point for sure, but I feel like we gotta hurry up. <laughs> like we can't we really have to hurry up in regards to having these discussions because the world is like, or even back to your original question is like, you know, what is the perception of sex by the world? Like sex is as common as a handshake prior to COVID. Like that's literally like, you know, people are just, it's just out here, you know, it's everywhere, wherever we go, wherever you turn your head, when you turn the TV on, when you log into your social media, you're scrolling, you never know what you're going to see and what you're going to experience just based off of like what you're taking in in that moment. I think the church is making the turn. I will say that I, um, I feel like I, I go to a church and to a place in a space where um, my pastor is definitely uh, talks about, you know, just a lot of what Monet was talking about, the fact that God gave us a sex drive, you know, it's a part of who we are. Now, what we do as far as our active self-discipline, um, because that's our walk, that's a part of our walk, you know, even in the scripture in Timothy, when it says God has given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And some of those translations, sound mind actually translates to self-discipline or like self-judgment to actually like be honest about the fact that, okay, I'm in my feelings right now, I'm having a moment, but I'm not anybody's wife. So I need to have the self-discipline to be like, okay, God, I need you to help me manage these feelings. Not kill them off because I need them because I'm going to be somebody's wife. So I need <laughs> these feelings, okay? I need this, God. That's why you gave it to me because you're a good father and you knew. But <laughs> I need to be able to 
constrain them and I need to be able to manage myself and I need to be able to operate in an act of self-discipline until that time comes. Because even, you know, as a, as a single person, like you, I mean, even when you get married, you can't always just have sex. Like you gotta go to work, the bills gotta get paid, you know, family functions. Like there are times when you gotta, there's still an act of self-discipline. Now the self-discipline looks different, but that's just different phases of our lives. So I really think that I think that the church is definitely making a turn some spaces in the church. I can't speak for all spaces, but I definitely think that we have to do a better job because, you know, we got little Christians out here being born every day. So somebody is out here having sex. So we might as well go ahead and start having a conversation about Well, <laughs> I'm so weak. Not little Christian. She said yes, little Christian. Sure. Little Christians dying. being born every day. Okay. She said little tired. Christians being born. <laughs> for sure um tabitha i want to hear right now you know we talk about how church needs to have this conversation right now what is the church risking by not having this conversation what are they risking wow that's different yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of opportunities for intervention. I think a lot of young people just want to be understood. They just want to be heard in those vulnerable moments to be able to say, it's okay. I can help you navigate. And even if you can't help me navigate it, just allow me not to feel like I'm about to go to hell tomorrow. God's judgment is about to rain on me. Like, like that's sort of the fear-based aspect that sort of the church and religion gives to you. So I think just understanding also what, what's all, understanding too that even uh, the level of what the story of redemption really truly is. Like if we look at God's example in the Bible, there is no story that he doesn't provide redemption or a way uh, back into his good graces. He is always there offering forgiveness. And I think that the church offers us the complete opposite, especially when it comes to dating and marriages and relationships. You know, every other area of your life, like even with our career or schools, we're expected to figure it out. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we're not given that same level of grace. So I think to be able to have the, the space and the vulnerability um, so that we can come in those deep moments and say, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. And I just need, I just need space <laughs> um, and, and some guidance and some support. Yes, I, I think that's amazing. And honestly, I feel like that's what gets people to come to the church is being able to be like, you know what? There was this place where I was able to talk about my problems and I wasn't being judged by it. I wasn't, they weren't putting me down. They were like, you know what? I went through that too. But you know what? God helped me. He showed me that there's a way that you can live life without this or that you can. And it's just like, I feel like that's what people are are feeling more drawn to. Um, and I think that's just amazing. I want to talk about um, virginity. When it comes to being a virgin and, you know, you're young or whatever, and you haven't done it, I want to hear you guys' Uh, feelings when it came to that do you all feel like there was pressure on you to lose your virginity or did you feel like it was more frowned upon uh maybe you had two different types of pressures whether it was like one was pressuring you to like lose it and the other one was like no I need you to keep it what do you all feel about that Ta uh, Tabitha you can go ahead and take this one first 
the question was um, if there was pressure to lose your virginity. Yes. From who? It can be from anywhere, whether it's from your family or um, just, uh, I don't want to say the church because we kind of already talked about that, but whether it's your family or friends, um, what and you may have gotten two different uh, types of pressure. Maybe it was one, but maybe they were both opposite or whatever, but how did you feel? Did you feel like there was pressure on you to lose your virginity or not? Um, I wouldn't say it was pressure. I think that if anything, there was pressure I put on myself just by wanting to be a part of what everyone else is discussing and talking about and experiencing. So, yeah. Yeah. And that didn't come from the church that came from elsewhere. For sure. Um, Monday, what about you? How do you, um, was there pressure on you to lose your virginity? There wasn't pressure on me to lose my virginity. Um, and like I said earlier, I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved right before I turned 18. And so um, I wouldn't say that there was pressure for me to lose it. If anything, I think there was more pressure to keep it um, because going off to a college campus, like somebody actually said to me, um, like dudes are going to basically be coming at me like wolves or something like that, like sharks smell blood in the water, something along those lines. Um, and so just this idea of being in a new environment, being by myself, because my, the school I went to was two hours away. Um, and I got saved, but my family wasn't. And so it was just me trying to be saved and, and figure out what that looks like. Cause I got saved in January. I left to go to school, you know, that fall. And so it was just me. And then I had to find a community and a church and really still figure out what does it mean or what does it look like to, you know, to follow God? What does it look like to, to honor him? What does it look like to honor my body? And so, um, I think if anything, it was a matter of feeling pressure from a religious perspective. Um, I have to not have sex because I'm not supposed to and not necessarily relational perspective of because I'm in a relationship with God and I want to honor him and I want to, you know, follow his word. Then because of that, I'm choosing to not do this as opposed to, well, I'm not supposed to and I have to do everything within my power to not do it, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I totally understand that. Um, uh, Kendra, what what about you? Did you feel the same way or was it kind of different? Did you feel pressure to lose your virginity? Um, I feel like I had a very different experience in the sense of, I love my mom. She's an amazing woman, but my mom was a very young mother. Um, and I just knew for me, I didn't want that for myself. And because of that, if nothing else, because like I said, unfortunately, I grew up in a household where sex wasn't talked about. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like, hey, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to keep myself from operating in that realm. And once I got into college, um, I'll say that very similar, like I got a community of people and it, and it kind of created the space where I had a better understanding of, wow, okay, I thought this was just a decision that I made for myself, but this is really something that was kind of influenced by God before I could even recognize it for myself, um, more so because not only did I find myself being protective of my virginity, but I also found myself on a community of people who were also protective as well. And some of those people outside of, some of those people being friends who weren't necessarily protective of their own, 
Um, and that's always been something that I've always thought about and recognized where I have had like conversations. Like I've had friends like flat out call me like, look, I know you want a date, but no, that this cannot happen. And it's like, you know, I know your business, right? <laughs> like, you know, you know. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. So having a community of having other people. So more than anything, I would feel like I would say that I had, I was very fortunate and very blessed where I had this layer of protection and this level of protection um, that's been very significant in that particular piece of my life. Yes, I, I love how everyone has some different perspectives or whatever. Uh, I know for me, uh, besides the church, we didn't really talk about it too much when it came to like sex or anything. Like we didn't talk um, too much about it. So it was, I was, and I was okay with that. Um, but I know when it came to me, when it came to like friends in school and stuff, I did feel pressure. I felt like it was kind of weird to be like, oh yeah, I'm a virgin. Like it was just something that you had to kind of keep on the hush. Like, yeah, I'm a virgin. You know, whatever. Or I feel like people, um, I would, always hear people treat me like I'm a little baby or a little child if you're oh yeah because I know you haven't experienced that or you know people treating you like you're a little kid and I think that was something that just kind of frustrated me and made me feel kind of annoyed um and it was just so because everybody was talking about yeah you know I got this I got these condoms and you know you know I'm ready to do this or whatever and it's just like oh no I'm good you know over here but you know and I felt like it was just something and I think that's what helped me um that was something that I had to make sure um that I keep myself from, I was like, God help me. And I had to get rid of some friends. I had to get rid of some people. Like I can't be around y'all because y'all making me want to do certain stuff that I know I'm not supposed to be doing, especially when you're surrounded by people who are not, um, you know, close guy. Like I was talking about earlier, how you um, were saying no to like dating people who don't believe in God and don't have a relationship. But that's also, it can also go with your friendships. Friendships could sometimes influence you a lot more than, you know, these romantic relationships. So that was definitely something for me. And I think what helped me out also was that I was a bit um, of an introvert. I was at home, you know, the only time I really went out was for school and for church. It wasn't for church. I really wouldn't know nobody. But I just like, you know, to myself, not me and God. That's all I need right now. You know, whatever. So I think that definitely helped out. But I feel like for me, it was, um, I definitely felt pressure to um, lose it. But I think it's just important for you to stay and strong and sometimes you got to be by yourself sometimes you're gonna be different um I want to know what it's um when it comes to abstinence and staying away from those things during the dating season what do you all feel like this conversation should be had with the um the person that you're dating when do you feel like you should talk with them about yes I am practicing abstinence I believe in waiting until marriage um Monet you can go first Personally, I think probably the sooner the better, only because you can then put in place whatever boundaries that you think will be necessary. Because if you just start putting up boundaries and the other person is like, I don't understand what's the problem. Why can't we? Why are you? Whatever, whatever. It just seems like it would probably be like a blind sight. And I'm like, where is this coming from? But if you have the conversation up front and say, yo, you said you want to go on a date. That's cool. Just understand that when I get dropped off at home, I'm going in the house by myself. Or um, when we go out on this date, you know, I would feel more comfortable if we go in a group because X, Y, and Z. And so putting that out there up front, I think would help when you're in the process of establishing boundaries, because it wouldn't seem like stuff is just coming out of nowhere. So I think the sooner the better. Yes. Um, Tabitha, how do you feel? For me, I think um, I think it depends on the, the the person and the vibe that you have with them and where um, 
where it's where you feel like it's going with a particular person. I don't feel like it's something that I would more so mention straight out the gate. But if I feel like this is somebody that I could invest my time into um, before we date exclusively, um, around that time frame is when I would mention it. And when you also notice that there's, they're more becoming also more physical with you and physical, I mean, just more touchy feely. You know how, you know, people, when you have more of an endearing relationship, you tend to be, you know, a bit more affectionate. Um, so I think that that's around the time that I feel like it's important to, to discuss. Yes. Um, Kendra, what about you? Um, I think the earlier, the better. Um, for me in particular, I feel like that's something that I have to be very intentional about mentioning from jump because I'm just the way that I'm set up like I don't want to wait I don't want to invest time um in somebody who may feel like this isn't something that they can commit to uh because there are you know people stand in different places even as Christians people stand in different places when it comes to abstinence uh so I typically have that conversation pretty early like if you know I meet somebody we exchange contacts or whatever else if we're having a phone conversation, typically I'm going to mention that very early to let them know like, hey, just so you know, I'm abstinent. I will remain abstinent until I'm married. Um, if that makes you uncomfortable, that's not your vibe. That's totally okay. If you good and you can deal with this and this is something that you're on too or whatever, like, you know, cool. I've had a lot of different responses. I, sometimes you have guys who are just like, well, man, you're so cool. Like, we didn't just kind of just kind of started to get to know each other already. And, but I can't see myself doing that. That's no, that's fine. May the Lord's grace be upon you. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm good. That doesn't change my answer or my response. I've had guys be like, well, that's not something I'm necessarily, I've practiced in my own personal life, but that is something that I'd be willing to consider the more I get to know you. Okay, cool. You know, make a mental note of it, keep it moving. And then I've had guys who just be like, nah, I'm just, I'm cool on it, you know, or we can be friends. That's fine too. I just know for me, being honest about it from jump is just very, very important to me um, because I know for me, like time is just, it's just one of those things where I don't, I, I just don't play when it comes to my time in particular, so. Yes, I, I definitely think it's important um, having that conversation and understanding what is that sentence you may have to ask them that question and you know and don't take for granted oh yeah they're they're a Christian so they know so I don't have to have that talk you do because sometimes they sometimes are the ones that you have to watch out for the most uh, which can be you know sad but it's true like you know not everybody is practicing the same thing. So yeah. I think it's definitely important for you all to have those conversations. And even to I'm, add to that, I'm sorry, but to add to that, even talking about, okay, when we talk about abstinence, if you're saying you're abstinent too, what does abstinence, like you said, like what does abstinence look like for you? Like, what does that mean? Because I know for me, it means these boundaries. It means that, you know, I got an accountability partner and I got a curfew that I have to meet because I just know me. And that's, that's not saying I'm a dirty, filthy person, but I'm flesh. Like I have flesh and I know that, you know, there are certain conversations I have to stay away from or, you know, or it's just 
just being mindful of those types of things but there even a discussion of being honest like being honest and being legit like okay when i say abstinence what does that actually mean for you what would that look like for you and this is what it looks like for me so also having that because people have different perceptions when you say abstinence and you say you're abstaining people have different understandings of what they qualify as sex so even thinking about that as well Yes, um, I think it's important um, to make sure you have that conversation, like I was saying before, and I think that was great what you added. Um, y'all had some great, great points about dating. I love it. Um, well, we're gonna go. We're gonna move on to segment three, and that is right now our monthly declaration for the month of September is. Hold on, let me pull it up. Okay, I declare that this month I will make new godly connections with others. I will, with the help of God, build a circle of people that can add value to my life and support me while I make sure to do the same for others. Um, if everyone can just give a one-word answer um, or like a one-sentence answer if it, that you have to um, about what you are going to do to better your romantic life. Um, Kendra, you can go first. Dang it. <laughs> um, I just realized you just finished talking outside, but I'm giving it no, to it's you. okay. <laughs> what am I gonna do to better my romantic life? Hmm. Hmm. This is look at this. Hmm. Can I pass and can it come back to me? <laughs> no. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone a little bit. I don't know how yet, but now that I said it, I put my word out there. So that means I have to do it. So I don't know. We'll figure it out along the way. But I guess, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like yet, but. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can be a pretty laid back person sometimes. So, you know, maybe just be a little bit. I don't know, a little bit more enthusiastic, possibly. A little razzle-dazzle, possibly. We're going to go with that. Yeah, we're going to say that. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to say. We're going to say that I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone a tad bit. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, Monet, what, um, do you, what is something you want to better do to better your romantic life? <laughs> probably focus. Um. I usually get a, a lot of work done at the end of the day after the kids are sleeping. I can actually focus on my business stuff. Um, but that's usually the time my husband is actually free and available because he works during the day and he's studying for this test. He's a um, roadway designer. So he's taking his uh, professional civil engineering test in October. Um, so just when there's time available and I don't necessarily have to be working, just take that time to focus on us and actually spend time together because there's only so many hours in a day. Right, right. Oh, I love that. Tap it though. What about you? What are you doing to better your uh, romantic life? Um, similar to Kendra, um, sort of to be open to new experience, experiences, different type of people from all different walks of life. Um, not to be so close-minded. I like that. Not to be supposed minded. I love that. I think for me, when it comes to uh, my romantic life is to be um, more upfront about what I want um, and not just be like, oh, you know, I just 
no, I just want to be nice. You know, like, no, go ahead and say what you need to. Because, I mean, this is your time as well. You know, you don't want to be wasting your time. And it's just something I don't like doing. So uh, I think it's just being upfront. Um, Y'all, I enjoyed this episode this episode kind of went a little bit longer than i was expecting i have like i have more questions but when we have everybody together i know that's gonna be something because i know the men we got some strong-willed men and we also got some strong-willed women so i'm 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 just excited i'm gonna sit back and watch i'm gonna have my popcorn ready ready to go now okay but uh i think it's just gonna be awesome i cannot wait for it oh we're ready to head out um yeah, that's it. So I'm going to have each person, if you can, if you can tell people where to find you and let them know um, what you're doing a little bit, you know. Yeah. So uh, Tabitha, you can go first. You can let them know what you, where they can uh, follow you. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you. First of all, it was a pleasure meeting you guys. First, It was a pleasure meeting Destiny, but um, Kendra and Monet was great um, sharing this podcast episode with you guys. And I'm excited about um, uh, how it's going to play out with the guys next. <laughs> um, I, you can find me at, at I am Tabitha Esther. I am a preventative wellness coach and you can find all things womanly related to wellness on um at i am tabitha esther and just pieces of me and um my writing so yeah it was nice meeting you guys yes i love it i love it um you can go next where can they find you so they can find me on instagram at monet k miller or my business page at the miller initiative you can also find the miller initiative on facebook or you can visit my website um, www.themillerinitiative.com. Uh, I do life coaching. Me and my husband co-own the Miller Initiative. Uh, our mission is to change the narrative of the Black family by empowering all members to achieve peace through the pillars of marriage, family, and finances. Um, and so we actually have our podcast, which you can also stream from our website, or you can go on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you normally stream. Um, so we have that as well. And um, yeah, we're just out here trying to you know, strengthen some black families and change the narrative and restore some hope. So that's what we're doing out here. Yes, I'm here for it. All the way here for it. Uh, Kendra, where can they find you? Um, So thank you all for this opportunity. You ladies are amazing. I had such a good time. I'm so excited. I mean, well, man, I already know you, but still. <laughs> um, so nice to meet everybody else. Um, Outside of that, I go by KG the Kid. Um creatively or whatever else um i have a brand by the name of confessions from a tilted crown it's just really just about the journey to womanhood and how it looks different for all of us but god gives us all purpose so you come on instagram on facebook at confessions from a tilted crown uh you'll see some of um, my blog you'll see some of the things that i'm doing uh i rap a little bit i'm just an all-around artist like that's what i do but it's really just about the significance (laughs) it's really just about the significance of helping people be reminded that you know god has a purpose for all the lists no matter where we are no matter who we are and it looks different but we all were created in his image so yeah that's that's me so at confessions from a tilted crown Yes, I'm all the way here for all of this y'all talking about. This is great. I mean, Black women just just being 
black women just being excellent. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm all the way here. Uh, this is great. I want to go ahead and uh, thank the audience. Thank y'all so much for joining us for today's episode. Make sure you're here next week. Um, if you missed last week's uh, episode and episodes before, make sure you catch up so you know what's going on. Uh, I My name is Destiny. I am your host. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We are... Why don't I just look at my notes? Uh, we post every Sunday. You all can um, uh, listen to this episode, listen to um, the podcast, uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, uh, what is the other one? Google Podcasts, and the Podbean app. All of these different uh, platforms. Make sure you let other people know about it. Please share, like, and subscribe to our um, to our YouTube channel. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Destined Life underscore, and you can also like our Facebook page. I think I already said that, but anyway, um, thank you all so much for being here. And as always, my name is Destiny Harris, and I am encouraging you and reminding you to choose today to live your best life. And that's the best in life. God bless. And I love you all. Thank you all so much for joining me.